hello and good morning and welcome to the Monday Main Point. It's Monday, October 31st, 2022, and we are here at Rosa Sharon Baptist Church to, uh, to talk about yesterday's message and uh, share our thoughts uh, with one another and with you, our listeners. And so uh, we're glad that you tuned in this week. Um, I'm Jonathan Hendrickson, Associate Pastor here at Rosa Sharon Baptist Church, and I'm joined with our entire staff today, even our volunteer, Miss Katrina. She's here too. So we have Jeremiah Custer, uh, Katrina Redman, Blake Flincham, and our Senior Pastor Jeff McCarthy, all present uh, at the table, and uh, so we're going to have a great discussion today. So we are in, if you didn't know, October is Pastor Appreciation Month. Um, and uh, this is a good time to show your pastors that you love them and that you appreciate all that they do. And um, for those of you who may not know, uh, in case you aren't uh, a tender at Rosa Sharon, you just have to be listening in. Um, two of us on the staff here, myself and Jeremiah Custer, have both just recently um, accepted lead pastor positions in at other churches. We'll be um, Jeremiah's leaving close to the end of the year. I'm going to be actually departing Rosa Sharon uh, in about three weeks. So, um, <clears throat> so it, this was a, a, a kind of um, Jeff had an opportunity to preach yesterday, and actually, Jeff, you're not going to get to preach again uh, until like November 27th, I think. Well, so. I've got a funeral this Wednesday, so <laughs> I'm sure there'll be other opportunities. Right. <laughs> but I'm talking about Sunday, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Sunday morning. <laughs> Yeah. And that's mostly because we've got some guest speakers coming in, and uh, I'll be doing my final message on November 20th. And so, um, well, I mean, my final message here at Rosa Share, I know we will be clear of that. Um, I was about I to be had, like, wow, that's morbid. Yeah, it's morbid, right? <laughs> it's Halloween, but I don't have to be that morbid. Right. Uh, right? And um, this Last Supper follows the message. That's right, Last Supper. When my betrayer will make himself clear. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So anyway, <laughs> so um, so no, it, it was kind of cool because yesterday, um, you know, we've done now nine pastor appreciation Sundays together, and um, it was kind of neat uh, to because uh, I've never heard you actually preach a message on pastor appreciation, and uh, you know, and so the title of yesterday's message was "Remember Your Pastors." Um, and, and while it was absolutely a, a message where you were largely appreciating us as staff, and, and I, I want to say thanks for everything you said, mm. um, uh, you know, that's right. That, that, yeah, I know it was heartfelt and, and you meant it and all. Um, but in the context of, of that, I know that the immediate context was you were talking about how you appreciate us as members of staff and all, but at the same time, you're outlining for everybody else um, that's in the room what a pastor is, what a pastor does, and what a pastor's motivation is. And, um, and, I, and, and really, I think that's where the message is because um, it's good for us as pastors to be reminded of these things, and it's good for a congregation to be reminded of it as well. And, you know, Baptist churches are slightly different than some other denominations. We don't have... A presbytery we don't have um, you know um, uh, this idea of uh, you know a government that we're responding to and all there's nobody that we're that actually holds us accountable per se we're, we're autonomous in that way and so um, so our our people 
because of that, our people really need to know what a pastor is supposed to do. And so, um, uh, so I think that was, I think that was good. Let's, let's just kind of go through some of this and we'll, we'll, we'll talk, um, about, uh, the passage. Let's look at Hebrew. The passage, the text was Hebrews chapter 13, verses seven through eight. And it says, um, there, and this is the NKJV. Um, so the, the wording is a little bit different, but it says, remember those who rule over you. We'll talk about that in a second who have spoken the word of God to you, whose faith follow, considering the outcome of their conduct. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And so, um, really, it was a two-point sermon that broke down Hebrews 13.7 largely, although you touched on 8 at the end, and 8 is very important. We'll get to that. Um, but let's look at Hebrews 13, 7 together and just kind of walk down through some of the things that, that Jeff was talking about. Uh, one of the, one, the, the, the first point that you had is that we need to remember our pastors because of the role they play, basically, because of their role. And they have two roles that are both hybrid roles. Um, one is servant leader and the other is pastor teacher. Um, and so uh, you kind of broke both of those down. And you started with that idea that, remember, those who rule over you, I actually like the NLT version better than there, that just remember your leaders, the, the people who are leading you. And in some ways, and you said this yesterday too, Jeff, I, I don't think that um, this is necessarily exclusively aimed at pastors per se, the, the, the paid people on, you know, Step. This includes all of the people who are leaders. And you said, you know, you can be a leader in your, in your own household. You can be a leader um, in your place of work. You can be a leader um, and be a volunteer. We have yeah. one at, at the table right now with us, you know. So Yeah, so I wanted to make sure that, uh, because you know how messages are, if, if I feel like, well, this doesn't apply to me or I'm not really... It doesn't really speak to me. Then I have a I will have a tendency to tune out. So I had to make sure that I included the priesthood of believers so that people understand and know that uh, we all have a role to play. And maybe in my job, I can be that servant leader. I could be that person that is you know doing the things nobody else will do. And as a result, I'm expressing Christ. And then that may give me an opportunity to be a witness in the same way as your your family if you're the spiritual. If you're the believer in your family, but pretty much you're the you're the spiritual leader of your family, and so it can still apply uh, in those situations too. Because we really don't want people just to, because we don't believe in a hierarchy and bishopry and all that other stuff where everything happens the hierarchy all everything's under these four walls. We want people to know that we're the church, and then when the church gathers, then we scatter, then we're the church out, out into the world, too. Yeah, so Jeremiah, like, I think this comes up a lot when we talk about pastors and we talk about, like, that idea, remember those who rule over you from the NKJV, right? Um, like, how much authority should a pastor really have? Like, when, when it comes right down to it, when you're talking about authority, um, because, because, you know, he's supposed to lead, he's... Um, we assume that that's 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 what he's doing, but he's also a servant of the people. So, you know, so I think some people say, you know, some people look at a pastor as a benevolent dictator, right? Like he's 
he's loving, but he, at, at the end of the day, it's his, it's his way or no other way. And other people are like, well, no, he needs to be more democratic. Um, what's your take? What, 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 what are your thoughts on that? Especially since you're going to be a lead pastor. <laughs> yeah, but both of you are already find out. No matter how you, what your philosophy is, yeah, right. They're still going to come after. Yeah, unfortunately, I think in the church, it feels like even if there's not one, it feels like a lot of the time there's like this authority or power struggle. And depending on how much you like or dislike your pastor, whether you give him that authority, mm. but I think. So let me, I guess, backtrack a little bit. So when you when you look at the list of qualifications for an elder or for a pastor, mm-hmm. I read that list. I mean, I remember reading that list as a kid and was like, hey, these are all things I could do. Mm-hmm. Like, I, I should strive to do that as well. Even though I had no aspirations for being That's a pastor, mm-hmm. I felt like that was a good list of things for me to do. Mm-hmm. Um the only one, and I didn't know this back then, I kind of know this because I've studied it pretty intensely since then. The only one that's kind of weird is the the ability to teach. Right. And apt to teach. And if you look at the list of elders and you look at the list of deacons, that's the only distinction from the entire list. And so I think, going with Jeff's point, is I think everyone in the church should aspire to do all of them including teach. However, I think God has called, and I do believe there is a special calling um, to teach like in a pastoral role to elders. Mm -hmm. And so if we have some sort of higher authority than, say, a regular member, it's in the area of teaching, like protecting the teaching, warding off false doctrine, uh, warding off false prophets and kind of protecting that thing. And Jeff didn't have time to do it. Um, but just complete confession, Hebrews 13, if if you had asked me before yesterday, I would have argued with you and said it didn't exist. Um, because Hebrews 11 and 12 are so good. I literally thought Hebrews ended <laughs> after chapter 12. <laughs> so 13 pulls up. Um, 13 is such a good chapter. And if, if Jeff had time to get there, yeah. there's another verse 17. Yeah, Oh, you did? Okay. He did read verse 17. That comes at a point. It comes near the, the end. Yeah, it yeah. comes into the about third. your lives. Look at yeah. the outcome of your yeah. lives. Okay, mm-hmm. so did you? I think you read the James verse in connection with that. Well, maybe you didn't, but let me let me get to a point. Okay, <laughs> but it says obey your leaders. Mm-hmm. So that same word, mm-hmm. and submit to them, mm-hmm. for they are keeping watch over your souls. Which mm-hmm. we might want to talk about that <laughs> as those who have to give an account. Let them do this with joy and not with groaning, for that would be of no advantage to you. Right. And basically he says, as those who have to give an account, well, James makes it really clear that if you're a teacher, then you are going to have to give an like yeah. even more of an account mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. for and so I think authority, uh I'm a millennial. I hate talking about authority and rule over and those types of yeah, things. Yeah, that's why I should have question. Yeah. <laughs> I don't, I don't, but, but I think scripturally, there is a precedent, at least at minimum, for the teaching. Yeah, yeah. And then, of course, calling and how the Baptist church works, like, they kind of in, imbue you with even more authority by doing the democratic process of voting people in and stuff like that. Right. Um, 
And based on your church covenants and that type of stuff, you might be bestowed with more authority. But ultimately, as pastors, it's not like this authority or power struggle. It's submission to Jesus and and submission to his word and yeah. and making sure and protecting the teaching right like even even the we would say i think all the pastors around this table would say that we feel like the vision for the church right where the direction of the church really should come from the pastor um or past or pastors there you go. yeah i believe in pastors right with like elders right elders, yeah. right so that that it comes from from the elders because the idea being I mean, it's not that it comes in a vacuum because you you assume that you're 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 doing this in partnership with your congregation, but ultimately, sort of the direction that we're going to go, somebody has to be the one to say, okay, let's move in this direction, right? Let's go this way, and never and 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 they rally the troops and they say, okay, here's how we're going to go this way. You guys do this, you guys do this, you guys do this, um, and then we're going to go this way. Now, you assume that they're going to go the way that Jesus is pointing them to go, right? And so um, if they're not, then you certainly have the, the right and the responsibility, I would say, to, to, to say, hey, pastor, are you sure that that's what Jesus is saying for you to do? And I believe authority, you have the authority mm-hmm. to do so to your pastor. Yeah, yeah. To be like, based on priesthood of believer. And so... If we're talking about strictly authority, I think from the scriptures, you do have authority to say, hey, I don't think that the scriptures are leading, like God's leading us there to kind of call them out on their direction and their leadership. Not that you question like vision and direction and preferences, but you should you should definitely question like teaching. And, and, and Jeff mentioned that, I, I think, on the... Second one, he's like, man, I know I'm accountable to these other guys. And um, even when we don't even have to bring it up a lot of the time, you know that we're searching and we're... and we're Right. And, and, and we, and folks, we, we do that as a staff. We did it long before we ever had the podcast. But, you know, you just know as a staff here, or as a Sharon, um, whatever you say could probably come under scrutiny by, by the rest of us. But we, we, we invite that. Um, you know, whenever I finish a message, a lot of times I'll come to Jeff or I'll go to Jeremiah or I'll talk to Blake afterwards and I'll be like, you know, you know, I want to hear what they, they have to say. Was there, was there a massive hole that I, that I, that I left unfilled? Was there, was there something that I said that probably wasn't quite accurate that I could have said better? Um, all those things. And it, and it goes back to Jeremiah, what you were saying a minute ago, I think it was Dr. McKinnon who we've quoted multiple times on this podcast. But it was Dr. McKinnon who just defined the role of the pastor as the keeper of the liturgy um, of the church. So that the, and it's what you were saying a minute ago, it's, it's the, the doctrine and the teaching of the church. It's the pastor's job to be a gatekeeper on that, um, to make sure that what's being taught is, is scriptural and theological and uh, is not heretical. Yeah. Um, you know, well, and the thing is, when when we look at the the way I look at the pastoral authority, I know that basically, because I'm quote the senior pastor here, um, eventually, if somebody has a question or a problem, if it ever gets to me, mm-hmm. then I've got to say, yeah, this is what we we decided. And so when we decide, many times I might have one idea, we hash it around and kick it around, 
And then after we talk about it, I'm like, oh, yeah, y'all are right. This is what we're going to do. And once we make a decision as a staff together, which, mm-hmm. which kind of goes what, what Jeremiah was saying, kind of that plurality. Once we make the decision together, even though I've been like, I, it's not the way I would want to do it, but let's do it. Right. So then we all go in that, that one that one mind, one accord, showing unity to mm-hmm. the church. Where churches get in trouble is if uh, there is that one that... If, if I kept saying not the whole time, I mean, there have been times where I'm like, look, I'm the pastor. We're just going to do it. Right. You know, but but if I did that all the time, which right. hopefully I haven't, then right. then then ultimately then it's your responsibility. You've, yeah. you've assumed a lot of stuff. Now you're going to get all the blame then. You can't blame anyone if it doesn't go right. So, yeah. Um, so it's it's important because no matter what happens, <laughs> if it's something that's a success or something that's bad, a lot of times people look to the pastor. So that's why it's important too. If you're like supposedly like the lead pastor, is make sure you give credit and let other people know, look, this was not my idea. This this is something or or yeah, we came together, but man, these guys did a great job and you gotta do that. Because yeah. if not, then it's not gonna work properly. Right. So, you know, Blake, I, we're talking in our new member Sunday school class about this idea of, of membership, and it's on the board behind me, actually, because yeah. we're meeting in here. But this idea of the differences in membership uh, between, like, a country club membership and team membership. And and I, I think of, and I've, I've talked about with a team, when you join a team, you, like, you were on the football team. Right. Um, when you join a team, you know... A part of being on that team is is listening to the authority of the one that's actually directing the team, right? Whether you know, and that authority is going to give authority to other people as well, and so on and so forth. And you kind of hope that everything that they're doing is in service to the common goal. But I mean, in some ways, um, not. I mean, maybe it's not a perfect analog because um, you know, coaches can be, <laughs> but pastors can be too. But I think in some ways maybe the pa- I think of in terms of the pastor as sort of a coach of a team, right? Does that make sense? Yeah, for sure. So like if you use the football analogy, it our my high school football coach was smart enough not to put me at quarterback, mm-hmm. but to put me at tight end to something that I was a lot better at. You know, mm-hmm. so a part of that is you do have to be able to look and see, you know, what direction you want to go and put people in the right places. That's going to help with the mission whether for a football team that's to win Mm -hmm. for us it's to win souls right and um so you gotta you know there is a little bit of discernment with with that and going to like a country club member and i've been talking about this with our kids uh new membership class Mm -hmm. um you know whether it be like a book club at school or uh, like a hulu subscription Mm -hmm. versus a church membership you know like what's the difference in that and really um We um, and if I'm getting outside your question, just no, tell you're me, good, but, you're good. But really, um, the biggest difference is for like Hulu and Netflix and all that football, you know, whatever. It's my preference mm-hmm. versus when you're a member of a church, it's God's preferences, right? And it's about God, not you, right? Um, it's about you know how do you fit into God's plan, um, and how like how do you fit into God's overall plan? Not how does God's plan fit into my life, but you know, quite the reversal. Yeah, actually, side note here because yeah. I think I just think it's really cool, and uh, I'll, I'll share with you all 
I was talking to my daughter last night. You guys know she's in Salt Lake City. Yeah. And um, she's um, got connected with a church there, Baptist Church plant that, that meets on the campus. And um, she's going through uh, what they call church ownership right now. They don't use membership. They use ownership hmm. as, a, as a term. Huh. Because they, they don't want you to think of being a member as something that you join like a club. But rather than a stockholder, but you're like, a stockholder. I've got something invested. I have in something invested concept. in yeah. this. Yeah. I'm I'm an owner in this. I like because a lot of times with that membership mentality, you know, you have stuff like, well, I I should have, you know, things should go my way because I've given. Where's uh, my perks? Yeah, where's yeah, my right, perk? Right. You know, I've given money. We should do things this way because I've given money to right. my great grandma's name is on a stained glass window somewhere, stuff right. like that. You know. Yeah. And <laughs> with, <laughs> but with, uh, but I mean, even not with just that, but I mean, even with uh, younger people, you know. Yeah. With younger folk, you know, you still can fight against a lot of that same stuff with yeah. that and. So, regardless of however the demographics might look in your church, you got to always talk about, well, this isn't for me. This is for the Lord. And that's why I'm teaching the kids here. You know, it's not about, you know, whether you should want to go to the gym for all the time or whether you stay in the classroom Mm -hmm. for a little bit. You know, whether you have snacks first or snacks last, you know, it doesn't really matter as long as we have. Um, as long as we have a, a clear vision of reaching people, mm-hmm. the tertiary and uh, quad tertiary, whatever comes <laughs> under that, <laughs> I don't know what that word right. is, should, uh, should come under that. Yeah, yeah, no, you're right. Yeah. The things yeah. that really don't matter. The, yeah. the things that don't really matter. But anyway, I, I, we, we digress a little bit. Yeah. Go ahead, Katrina. I think that ties in well with what he's talking about in point one about being a servant leader. It's, you know, as a Christian, we both give and receive. It's important to know how to do both. But as a servant, you know, even Jesus washed the feet of the disciples. So he taught us from his role modeling. Um, and I feel, I tell you, I um, feel extremely privileged to be uh, uh, included um, and this pastoral team um, to learn, to grow, because the team here is amazing and their heart is centered on the Lord and the way they minister I've been uh, amazed at how they um, their knowledge their willingness their energy I just think that God has truly blessed this church and I'm very proud of our team and you know of course we we are excited for you guys moving forward mm-hmm. and uh, we lift you up we we think that's healthy because that's growth you know, yeah. we're not supposed to stagnate and stay in the same spot all the no. time. We're supposed to grow and, and want to get close to the Lord and fulfill His purposes for us. And I feel like you guys are both stepping forward into owning that, like you said. But, um, you know, you're right, being a servant. And also what, um, Jeremiah, you were saying about, um, uh, help me out here. You were talking about... I said a lot, I'm sorry. Yeah, you said a lot. <laughs> well, I had a, well, a good point think, on that, but but yeah, I was um, reflecting on the team part also. I think that's what distracted me because I like football too. Yeah. Uh, and you've got the head coach, you've got the so, offensive yeah. coach, you know, the offense the coach, the coordinators, the special teams coach. So, and then within the team members themselves, you'll have leaders on the field. Mm-hmm. So it's that's a leadership structure. Yeah. Because as we all go out in the community as leaders, we're taking the gospel, which is the word, God's word, mm-hmm. leading to, to help others. And yeah. I love that because I've just been studying about the spiritual gifts and the gift of apostleship is someone 
um, who's given this gift by the Holy Spirit and is under the authority and responsible to, accountable to the sender. That's a commission. Mm-hmm. And, and I think that is um, very important for us to remember as we do anything. Oh, you're talking about teaching. Teaching. The more that you um, teach a subject, it reinforces how much you know the subject. So if you can teach it, it means you know it. That's inside right. Inside and out. And Pastor Jeff, you had uh, much more experience than us teaching God's Word. And so it's very important that we have that um, leadership because, you know, I've come to you and say, I'm kind of thinking it goes this way. And you've gone, no, 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 put it, it's more this direction, you mm-hmm. know, and, and this mm-hmm. is why. And so that guidance is absolutely helpful as we go forward and share it with others. Yeah. Well, it's important when we look at what we do as a team because, and I like the football illustration because, you know, like in other sports you've seen like, you know, like LeBron James single-handedly like beat the Warriors, you know. Yeah. yeah. But with football, you've got 11 guys on the side of the ball and 10 guys can do their job really, really well to perfection. But if one messes up or mm-hmm. doesn't do his job, the whole play can fall apart. Yeah, yeah. And that's the kind of mindset I think we should have as Christians is, hey, look, I need to do my part. You yeah. know, I need to, what's my, because we are that priesthood that we are, that Jeff was talking about. We are a priest. Um, you know, we should go do the work of the ministry. Yeah. Um, and we, if we have that kind of mindset, it shapes how we do a lot of other stuff. That's right. Yeah. And, 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 you know, to, to this first point, um, if you have a coach who um, who doesn't care about his players, doesn't care about you know, doesn't care about their welfare, you know, they get hurt and they're and he's just like you know, oh, suck it up, get back out there, and and and, and the guy's like, oh, my leg's broke. Well, that's all right. You just got to deal with it. Get out there and do it anyway. You know, if you get a guy that's like that, nobody's gonna want to serve with that person. Nobody's gonna want to because they don't care. And it's clear that they don't care. But if you've got a coach who sacrifices for his team, if you've got a coach that does that, then those people will rally behind that person. And I think that's the kind of leader, and honestly, that's the kind of leader that we should have in leadership positions all across what corporate America or whatever. It's not often the case, but people will tell you that the companies that do well, if you've ever read the book Good to Great, um, the companies that do well have leadership that are servant leaders. Mm. They have leadership that follow them. And, and of course they're doing well. Why? Because they're following a biblical example. Right. Um, and so pastors should follow that example. In the same way, um, if you have, you know, if you have a coach who, you know, in the in the team room and stuff, in the team meeting, he's all, you know, all about uh, uh, you know, we need to win the championship, we need to do all that we can, and he's trying to make plans to help everybody win the championship. When the day of the game goes, he's over there, you know, on his phone, just playing on his phone, just doing other stuff. And he really, it's clear that he doesn't really care about this championship. All he really does is caring about himself. You look at his example, and then suddenly you're like, well, why should I listen to anything he says? And this gets to the second point she's making, Jeff. Because not only do pastors have to be uh, servant leaders and pastor teachers, but they also have to be good examples. Mm-hmm. Um, they have to practice Jeremiah what they what they're preaching, right? And so that it, that shouldn't come as a surprise. But I mean, Hebrews thirteen seven uh, says, "Follow the example of their faith." And I really love. Um, uh, I think it's I've mentioned him before, but Lynn Sweet has this whole idea of 
Um, he used to be invited to all. He's a he's a Christian leader and stuff. He used to be invited to all these leadership conferences, and he yeah, said he quit speak. going to them. He said I quit <clears throat> going to them because it's not about me being a good leader. It's about me being a good follower. And he said because what I need to do is I need to learn to be a good follower. He said we need less leadership conferences and more followership conferences. Mm-hmm. And, and Jeremiah, that comes from that 1 Corinthians 1.11 that Jeff said. Follow my example as I follow the example of Christ, right? Or uh, Philippians 3.17. Uh, pattern your lives after mine and learn from those who follow our example. But we know Paul is saying there, not necessarily I am the guy, do everything that I do, but do what I do when I'm doing what Christ does. Does that make sense? Yeah, I mean, ultimately... And I think that's why the Baptist church and maybe like churches in general now, they emphasize uh, the word pastor over some of the other scriptural words for this role, Mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. In fact, the pastor is really more a role than it is a title. Mm -hmm. Um, And because it comes from that that. word shepherd, right? And And that's why we want to make sure we're not the good shepherd, right? We're the under shepherds. Um, But ultimately, the shepherds are are the ones who sacrifice themselves for the people. And not not like literally sacrifice, but like make sacrifices, (laughs) go out and have to take on the lion for the sheep and that type of stuff. I got a question during my uh, interview process for for this. We had a QA and a session like you did, and I, I just remembered it. One of the ladies sat across from me. And, and she said the most sincere way she asked me, she said, I just want to know. She said, in your opinion, what's the difference between a pastor and a minister? Hmm. What's the difference between a pastor and a minister? I'm just curious. How would you answer that? That's for anybody. Anybody? <laughs> I can answer. Yeah, go ahead. Okay, well, the pastor is what we've been talking about, what I preached on. A minister is the deacon role. It's the servant role. Uh, because that's what minister is translated as is deacon. Mm-hmm. So a pastor role is set aside for a specific pur- purpose of the church, and it's a gift, pastor-teacher. I think that thing apt to teach means you can teach, but also means that you're teachable. Mm-hmm. Because yes. I've learned yes. so much from you guys, uh, probably more than y'all have learned from me, but but you got to be, if, if you're not teachable, if, if you think you know everything and you can... You've got all the answers. You're in trouble. Yeah, yeah. And so, so all of it then, as a pastor, then you're leading. As a minister, you're you're serving under the pastor. You're serving under Christ, and you're. It's it's the whole thing when I talked about, but it's the whole thing. Like, if, uh, um, you look at our church, and you see our deacons, and not only our deacons, but a lot of people are very servant-minded, and they will serve and do anything you ask them to do. Mm-hmm. And we know that by working with people but then there's others you go hey if i want somebody to lead up a project or or uh maybe teach a a, a class on on equip or something like that you you ask other people to do that mm-hmm. so because there i think god shows and and helps you discern who who could be like in a teaching role and, and that sort of thing so yeah i think the main thing is the 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 because here's the thing as a pastor you can get up and preach every day all you want to, but if you don't help out when there's a work day or something going on, like all of us here, we all serve as children's ministers during VBS. We all serve as youth ministers at various times. Um, 
we all do our part mm-hmm. to, to take care of things. Mm-hmm. And so you, you got to lead by example in your ministry, in ministering, but there is a, there is a separation. I'll tell so you, that's the way I would answer it. I was probably a too long of an answer. Well, no, no, no. I'll tell you what she was getting at because, um, and I think she probably could have worded the question more along the lines, what's different between a pastor and a preacher? Um, because at her previous church, and it wasn't this church, mm-hmm. at her previous church, the pastor basically said, it's, you know, it's not my job to go and do, um, to go to the hospitals and stuff like that. That, that falls on somebody, that falls on, 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 on the minister or whatever. And so um, there are, I know, because we've talked about it before in, in my staff, there are churches where pastors basically say, my job is to proclaim the gospel set the vision, do the administration, but all the care part of it actually goes to somebody else. And I just kind of want to talk about that a little bit because I think that kind of falls in line with what we're talking about here. And that's what she said. That's She said, so like, he didn't see it was his responsibility to come to come check on me when I was sick or when I was in the hospital or when I was having surgery or whatever. Go ahead. You were going to say something, Trina. Well, yeah, I was going to talk about uh, what Pastor Jeremiah had talked about with sacrifice. Uh And um, because I don't think we realize a lot of times how much pastors do sacrifice for their church. They're in a very vulnerable position. You know, they're in the spotlight. They're the main character. They're the one that's focused on Mm -hmm. um, the most. And it requires them by that example that they are required to be mm-hmm. to be very vulnerable you know people get to see them go through they've got their own personal stuff that they go through mm-hmm. and um you know as a chaplain that's what i cue in on i cue in on emotion and what people are going through mm-hmm. and so you know it's been um you know a good uh, learning experience for me to work with a team of pastors and get to observe them going through life you know as it is and how they are able to maintain that example as they go through the personal issues that come their way and yeah. the life changes, like you know, a, a child leaving for college, yeah, or or a, a loss, a death, you know, something like that, a mm-hmm. change in you know um, position or location, you know, things like that that are really. Um, they really change everything that's going on in your world and and how do you uh, incorporate that while being in this example position, this role model position. Mm-hmm. It's really, really challenging and very important. And I cued in on when you were speaking and the second point, you mentioned Peter. Peter's my favorite. Mm-hmm. I relate to Peter. I feel a lot like Peter most of the time. Right. Um, but... You know, I started looking at First Peter, and in First Peter, at the end of that um, first chapter of Peter, in verse, I think it's chapter one, verse thirteen, he talks about how those who preach the gospel, who present the gospel, um, are looked at by angels. And I don't want to get into angelology or anything right, like right. that, but but their role, we have something different than the angels have, you know, in in the gospel and yes. in the presence of the Holy Spirit within us, and you know, that really, to me, stood out because it's an extremely important role. It's an extremely difficult role. Um, it's ongoing. It's lifetime. There's, you know, when you're called, you're called for, um, the, you know, forever. You know, that's that's part of um, your purposes here. And um, I really 
really do want to recognize it. I think our the pastoral team here um, does a wonderful job of being that role model and example. And um, I've gotten to witness it as a bird's eye view. Um, it's really opened that up for me, and um, I'm very grateful for that. So. that. That's really cool, and I appreciate those words, yeah, too. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you. <clears throat> so, yeah, it, it, there, it, there is something about, you know, um, they say sometimes, and going back to our example of sports and ways, they say sometimes in some of these fan bases you live your life in a fishbowl. And, and often with a pastor, um, you do live your life a bit in a fishbowl because you know that, um, one, you make yourself vulnerable to your congregation so that your congregation knows what you're going through. They don't know everything, and you can't, you know, you can't no let need to go and tell them. No, you can't let them know everything. If you did, then it would be, it'd probably be a bit much for them. Um, in the same way, it's kind of crazy, but from a pastor's point of view, we see, um, somebody said it this way. I'll switch analogies here. Somebody said a pastor is a lot like a mechanic. Um, everybody else looks at the really sleek sports car and sees the outside of it and are like, oh, that's awesome. That's beautiful, you know. That, that, you know look at that car. It's shiny and, and man, I bet it goes fast. And uh, it's just a that's, a, that's a beautiful example of a car. But the pastor knows what's under the hood. <laughs> He's the one that's getting underneath there, getting his hands dirty. He knows all the problems that are actually underneath that hood too, mm-hmm. and um, and then that's a burden. That's a burden that Jeff carries, right? And he knows because uh, he can go and talk to other people who will say, "Man, I wish my church was like your church." And he'll go, "Really? <laughs> no, I'm kidding. I'm kidding." But but you know, we all because at the end of the day, you're pastoring people, and people, including the pastor, are all. Sinners saved by grace, and we all we're all messed up. We're all broken, and so and, you know it's broken people working with broken people. So you're there's gonna be messy stuff, and I feel like um, what people probably don't realize a lot is that part of it feels sometimes like a big chunk of a pastor's job is putting out fires that nobody else ever knows about. He's a fireman. Um, you don't know it because he does such a good job of trying to keep keep things from going, you know, getting out of control. But even just the nine years that I've been here and been on this staff, I've watched, you know, there have been very few months that have gone by where we've not had some sort of small fire or large fire <laughs> that we're having to take care of and then show up on Sunday morning and still lead the people mm-hmm. to do what we feel like God's called, you know, called us to do. I mean, you know what I'm talking about. It's, it's, um, so, and it's hard, it's hard to be a firefighter and not get burned. Um, that's another part of the problem that you don't think about when you think about pastors. Um, there's, it's no wonder to me and not, I've, I've seen it through, through my ministry that pastors who have been long-term pastors can sometimes come off jaded because they've been in it so long They've been burned so many times. They got scar tissue, right? Mm-hmm. And so they're hard. And um, and you know, you get a young guy who comes in and is like, "Let's do this and let's do this," and the pastor's like, "Yeah, it won't work." <laughs> <laughs> He's like, "Well, let's give it a try." He's like, hey, "You can if you want to, but I'm telling you, it won't work." <laughs> you know, it's like <laughs> because and 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 you know, there's it's understandable why he's like that. It really is understandable why he gets that way. 
Um, and I'm not saying that about you, Jeff. I'm not, I'm not, I'm well, not, I hope not, because I think we've done a lot of stuff. No, here. no, I'm no, like, not at all. I don't know if it'll work, but if y'all want to do it, let's do it. Yeah, no, no, you're not Jacob <laughs> yet. <I'm just> <laughs> <laughs> but, 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 uh, but there is that. I mean, and I, I've I've been around it, and it, and I know Jeff's been around it. You've been around guys that are like, well, it, it takes a toll on you, especially if you somewhere if you go and stay. The problem with a lot of uh, pastors. Um, by the time the first controversial shows up or maybe the second one they're ready to leave Yeah, and if they would just stick through it the people that really want to to, to do something they're the ones that want to trust your leadership but if you abandon them uh, then they're like okay it's, but they're going to stay and so the thing is you've got to if, if you feel like that's where you're supposed to be uh, whether you're going to be there short term or long term, you got to live every day like this. Uh, this is where I'm supposed to be. Period. Mm-hmm. And then if you make it through the the first two or three years and the first three or four conflicts, then you're going to realize that now people are going to say, "Yeah, we trust him." It's kind of like what he was talking about the the team. Mm-hmm. You know, those guys know like a quarterback or whatever. They know which lineman they can trust, mm-hmm. and they may call their plays based on I know that guy's going to block for me, but this guy over here he may not. Right. And so, um, so the people are the same way. They want to trust you. They want to trust your leadership. They want to trust your followership. Uh, they want to follow your example. But if your example is, hey, when the heat gets big, I'm, I'm just going to check out of here. Yeah. And yeah. that's abandonment and all that other stuff. So you got to stick with it. People are people. You're going to minister to people, whether they like you or not. You're going to spend tons of time with them. Uh, you're going to do funerals. You're going to do baby dedicates. You're going to do all that stuff. You're going to walk with people. And sometimes it's the very people that you spent most of your time with that you love the most or maybe the people that in the end go, you know what, I'm, I'm just going to check out. I'm not going to follow your leadership anymore. Mm-hmm. Now, if you're following Christ, then that's okay. Uh, but if you're trying to do your own agenda, then that's what causes the problem. So mm-hmm. that's that that whole point about following us as we follow Christ, the following their faith and then the outcome of their lives, you know, that's that's where that's where the people they really want to follow somebody they feel like is really committed to the the cause, which is the greater cause, the gospel, the great commission, the things we're all about, which you know, tied it all in with that Jesus Christ first. Um, anything other than that is where everybody gets all messed up on all the things that really don't matter. And yeah. So you got to keep bringing it back to that that main goal is that we're here to serve Christ. I'm going to be gone one day, but Jesus is still going to be on the throne. That's right. Mm-hmm. So that's right. Uh, <clears throat> and I, 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 I'm I'm 100 with you on that. And and, and you know the idea that. Um, it's just like witnessing. If you're being a jerk and get persecuted for being a jerk, you're just being a jerk. Right. And being a pastor, you could be a jerk of a pastor. Like those guys, and I've heard it myself, a bunch of people. We got this pastor, and he says, all I'm going to do is preach and teach. Everything else is up to y'all. Well, that's, you can't, it, how, how can they follow your example if they never see your example? That's see, right. yeah, that's when you right. serve with people, right. they see you. If all they see you is in the pulpit, then they put you on a pedestal and they have a dip. They think your life's perfect. But if they see you out there in the weeds with them mm-hmm. or holding their hand in a situation where they're going to have to make a decision about whether we're going to take my child off life support and they're struggling with that thinking, what's going on here? They, You need to be there with them too. Yeah. And, and if you're not, then you're missing the opportunity to 
minister to them. Yeah. So. And I think you're right. I think that there's something to, um, you know, them walk, watching us walk through those fires, how we respond and not react to those fires then gives them confidence later on to trust leadership, to trust our leadership to say, wow, they really are. Because if I'd have been me, I would have done blah, blah, blah. You know, and I've, you know, I've heard people say that before. If they had said that about me, then I would have said this or I would have clocked on them, you know. And I'm like, well, that's not, you know. It's like we have Monday morning quarterbacks. We got Monday morning pastors. Oh, yeah. Or yeah. Sunday afternoon at lunch pastors that yeah. critique everything. So. Yeah. And, and so... So I think that, that that falls in line with what you're saying, with the following our example of our faith and the example of our lives, you know, that, that, that we're, we're out there trying to be good examples for the people. I do want to touch back on that, though, because I, I do think, Jeremiah, there's a trend, uh, maybe among pastors, that think that um, I, the, the, my role is just to study God's Word and you know, be the be the gatekeeper of liturgy, and as that, I don't need to do any of that other stuff. That's on you guys. Have Have you heard of this uh, of this trend? And what, what what's your thoughts on it? Yeah, I think it's tough because it's just a tough one because ultimately that is, I would say that's a role, not the role. Mm -hmm. Right. And that's why, like, when you emphasize pastor, you're emphasizing a role, not necessarily the role. Mm -hmm. um, and so, like, if you really wanted to study, like, what a pastor is, you've got to look at all the words that are used. Mm -hmm. And Jeff mentioned one. He mentioned overseer. Mm -hmm. No one wants to talk about that one because it's like, nah, he's not that. Yeah. Right? He's, <laughs> he's a pastor. He's a, he's a shepherd. We'll call him a shepherd, not overseer. Right, so there's the overseer, there's the one who protects the liturgy, right? It's like all of that. Mm -hmm. And and I think that like general principles from from the Bible, like even First Corinthians thirteen, the love chapter, literally kind of starts with this guy who who has like flowery language and is a good orator and has is a great speaker. But he has but he doesn't have love. Mm -hmm. He doesn't care for the people. Right, it literally says it's useless. Mm -hmm. Like being a, you could be like the best preacher ever, but if you don't love the people, it's useless. And you're also really ignoring the example of Christ because I think it's been brought up in here. Jeff brought it up yesterday, uh, but the only time where Jesus actually tells us he I'm being the example for you mm -hmm. is when he's washing their feet. Mm -hmm. It's the only time when he says it. Now, obviously, he's being the example in many other ways. Mm -hmm. Uh, in fact, the greatest example we have of Jesus is him on the cross. Yeah. I mean, serving and sacrificing and caring for the people, showing ultimate unconditional love for the people. Um, and so if we're going to follow the example of Jesus, and I think we should, you can't ignore all of your roles as a pastor. But as far as authority goes, and I think that's where they get it wrong. Your authority is based on scripture, based on like title, but that title carries more than just teaching or prayer or the study of the word. Um, and they, a lot of them use that example like when they come to the deacons mm -hmm. and the apostles are like, hey, we don't have enough time. Mm -hmm. I mean, they really do do that. Right. They really come and say, hey, 
we don't have enough time to serve the tables and do the teaching. Why don't we get this other role? Mm-hmm. And that's kind of where the deacon ministry started, the servant ministry. Um, and I still see those roles, right? I think I think ultimately deacons probably should step up more on service, but the pastors kind of need to be there showing them how to do service and and being leaders in that way. And also just doing it, just being that servant-hearted leader and that shepherd leader. Hey, Jeremiah, I've, I've heard um, in study, in, in uh, classes and stuff, I've heard that basically um, pastors have multiple roles. And generally, uh, if you call a pastor, you're getting somebody who's probably strong in two, maybe three of those roles and probably weak in, in a couple of them. And those roles are like generally like proclamation of the gospel, right? Preaching. Um, uh, there's there's teaching. There's vision. There's administration, and then there's like sort of the pastoral role of of, of congregational care or whatever. Yeah. And what I've heard is most guy like most people are going to be strong in say one or two, sometimes three of those areas. But they're probably going to be weak in those other two areas. Do you think that's the case? And if so, I mean, does that does that excuse them from ever being in, in, in you know involved in those other areas? I mean, or just like, well, those are my weak spots. Sorry, <laughs> you know, you knew that when you called me. <laughs> you know. So I, honestly, this is what I really believe. That's one of the reasons it's important to have elders and not elder. Mm-hmm. Because right. I don't think we're going to be good at all of them. Right. I, I mean. I, I would say like Adrian Rogers and Billy Graham weren't good at all of them. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think they would say that too. I don't think Charles Haddon Spurgeon was good at all mm. of them. Right. Um, I think they would say that too. But I think that just like there's gifts of the Spirit for the church, I think that those roles are filled by someone and you hope it's filled by your elder, your board of elders or your plurality of elders. Here, Roger Sharon... We have four elders. I really believe that. We've kind of lived by that model here. Mm-hmm. Um, we don't really talk about it much. Like It's kind of like a, just a thing we do. Um, right. And I think some of us are better. Actually, we're probably the weakest on administration. All four <laughs> of us. Not that we don't do it. It gets done. Um, but some of that has... Well, I don't want to get into that. But... Uh, but I don't think you can be good at all, but that doesn't excuse you from not trying. Right. And if you're like, for me and you, Jonathan, I'm going into a church where at this point I'll be the only elder. Same. And it's like, oh no, I've got to do all five of these. <laughs> I, I might be strong in one and a half. Yeah, yeah. I like doing maybe half of one. I'm just kidding. I like doing a few of them. <laughs> <laughs> but... uh so it's like, but and I think that's why you build a team around you, a team of elders, and I don't think they all have to be on staff, but that's another question for another time. Right, right. Um, well, I like that you brought this up because I did a paper in seminary on uh, how you could use the spiritual gifts to assess the wellness of the church. Mm-hmm. You know, using medical terminology to talk about um, something that's biblical. Mm-hmm. And I think um, the gifts of the Spirit, the first thing you do when you go into a new church is you assess. What, mm-hmm. You assess. You get to know the people and you get to know what, where your gifts are. And, 
and you know pray for God to you know work in their hearts to to help them use that gift they've been given and um, I think that's the purpose of those spiritual gifts you know it's to, to build up and edify the church and uh, we're hoping that you get you both get um, good strong uh, churches with lots of gifts you know to yeah. make up for not having many elders yeah like you said. it's kind of like the whole cop out with evangelism everybody says well I don't have the gift of evangelism well just because you don't have the gift does not then set you aside like okay you don't have to do it no we all have been <laughs> you actually called. have a command to yeah we all have been called to to to, to you know tell people about Christ to be a witness to make and all that some are better than others but so if I'm weak at something I'll go get training so I know how to do something better yeah or I build a team but at the same time it doesn't let you off the hook so yeah. if you got like, a team of of deacons and they're like hey we'll take care of all the hospital stuff and mm-hmm. things like that and all that that's fine yeah but uh people still want to see their pastor too and so if you make it an effort where you're doing that as well mm-hmm. and you're you're showing them you're leading them you're, then when you can't be there they understand that and then the, when the deacon's there it makes sense to the people right but when you go in and say hey i'm not doing any of that stuff at all period then that's you created the hierarchy and all that other stuff, and so yeah. it, it's just following the example, leading by example, and then when people see you doing it, and then when you can't do it because there's just so much time in the day, yeah. we are not Jesus, no. okay? So it, it we can't make people dependent on us, and we can't enable people not to depend on Jesus, that's and right. so that that's so there's a fine true. line you got to go through. But regardless of what, what it is and where your weaknesses and strength are, you've got to walk through each and every one of them yeah. with the people and then build your team around where your weaknesses are. So. Yeah, for sure. I, I think, and I, I like what Jeremiah said and what others have said, I, I think that the team we've had here um, is, is a good representative of that. I think we, we, we each have our strengths. Uh, we each have our weaknesses. And we make each other better. And, and not having a team of, of leaders like this um, or a team of pastors will be strange for me because I'm not used to, I'm, I'm so used to this and I like this. Um, it, it helps. Um, so it's, it's, it's really important whether those are deacons or whether they're elders, Jeremiah, or other, you know, other staff pastors, however it is. It's, I think a church is better served with multiple rather than single. I know that there are some churches that are like, we just need one. We just need one pastor and a pastor. Can, and that's fine. You can do that. But you better make sure you've got other leaders surrounding them because he is just one guy. When we, all, when we all have blind sides. Burnout happens too. When well, burnout happens. Like, you know. and you're right. We all have blind spots. We all have weak spots that we're, you know. And, you know, iron does sharpen iron. We yes. make each other better. Yes. And, you know. You say that you learn stuff from us, and the truth of the matter is, Jeremiah and I would both agree we've learned stuff from you too. I mean, and we've learned we've learned from each other. And um, you know, there are there are there are phrases in my in my pastoral vocabulary now because of you all that that will stick with me. There there are stories that I have <laughs> anecdotes that I can share. And, Just and change the, the name of from the, the people. Change their names that so are innocent will be protected. That are great stories of of uh, no. And Jeremiah can do whatever he wants to in Oklahoma. Yeah, that's right. Story, but stories of sacrifice and stories of 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 uh, of you know pastoral leadership that came out of my time here at Rosa Sharon and and uh, that that uh, that I observed. 
And so those are those are things that are going to be with me. It makes part, you know, it. Uh, so the 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 nine years I've been here is not nine years in a vacuum. It's nine years as part of a, a greater team. I've I've gained a lot from it. Well, um, and from a younger pastor's perspective, having a team is really really beneficial because I've I mean I wouldn't be who I am today honestly without y'all's leadership without y'all's example because I mean I got through into pastoral ministry in a whirlwind you know with mm-hmm. COVID six months coming in you know right right and I I wouldn't have had any idea what to do like if I were in your shoes or y'all shoot you know I mean I I mean I have, I don't even want to think about what it would have been <laughs> like you know um, so and especially with because uh, y'all have been very very experienced in the ministry and so having a team like that is something that I, you can't put a dollar sign on how valuable mm-hmm. it is, and I and that's something that I really appreciate when it comes to yeah. having a team. Mm-hmm. When it comes to burnout and it comes to all those other things, and and and, and being a pastor is it is a uh, even when you're on a team, it's a lonely job sometimes. It just is, and we have one another. But there are days, um, there are Sunday nights that you go home and you're just done with it. There are Monday mornings you wake up and you're like, I don't want to do it anymore. Um, e- even when you're on a team, and and there are Monday afternoons when you fight with each other. You're like, No, I'm done with it. <laughs> um, but 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 ultimately, um, I know for me, I tell people this all the time, and I'm sure you guys would echo this. Being a pastor is less about a job and more about a life. Mm. It's it's more about a lifestyle. Um, even if Rosa Sharon didn't pay me at all, if they didn't, you know, if, if they never called me their pastor, uh, if I'm a member of their church, I'm going to do pastoral stuff because it's just what I'm called to do. Mm-hmm. Um, I experienced this when I first moved to North Carolina. I, uh, I joined a church that I was looking, I put my resume in at, but while, while I was waiting on them to make the decision, I didn't have a church to attend, and so I just started attending there. And I had been a pastor, an associate pastor, full time for like nine years up to that point, and I couldn't turn it off. I, it was just impossible for me to turn it off. I couldn't just be a member. Um, and and by the time, and they ultimately ended up not calling me. That's another story for another time. But during the time I was there, during the year I served there, I had people who would come to me for counsel. I had people who would come to me for advice. I had people. I was doing pastoral work. Um, and I didn't, I didn't, uh, complain about it. I didn't criticize them for, you know, oh, you should be paying me to do this. It, it wasn't that I do it because it's what I'm called to do. And ultimately I do it. The reason why I do it is exactly what you said yesterday, Jeff. It's the, it's Hebrews 13, eight, cause Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Like his example his example is the example that 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 motivates me to do the things that I do, and ultimately, and it motivates everybody at this table to do what we do. We do what we do not because of the paycheck. We do not because of, you know, the title. We do what we do because we love our Lord, mm-hmm. and we're right. follow, and we're trying That's to follow right. His example. And we consider. I, I count myself, and I think anybody around this table would say the same thing. I count myself as privileged that I get to do the work that I get to do. Yes. I, it's hard, yeah, and it's lonely, yeah. But, man, that Jesus would count me worthy, I'm not even worthy, that Jesus would somehow or another think that 
I am the guy to, um, to do the work that we do. And I get to be a part of what he's doing mm-hmm. in these congregations. That humbles me, man. And, and, it, and, it, and it, it makes me, it makes me want to do well. It makes me want to do the best I can because my Savior thinks that, I still don't know why he thinks it, but, <laughs> but he thinks that I'm, I'm supposed to be doing this. Um, and so, uh, uh, you know, I, that's why I do what I do. And I think if I were, went around the table and I asked each one of you, you would say the same thing. Um, it's not because of pay. I mean, some of you guys probably make better money out in the corporate world, honestly. It, it's, it's not because of a job. It's not, a, it's not the job. It's not no, the title. I mean, it's certainly not the prestige. <laughs> yeah, for <laughs> real. Not, I mean, like, there, there, are, there are better ways to be known yeah. <laughs> than, than, than as a pastor. And like I said, it's full of it's full of its own trials. It, you know, you're you're constantly working with broken people and leading broken people, helping broken people. You're broken yourself. It's a big mess. It really is. But at the end of the day, it's so rewarding. Um, because you're doing it for your Savior. And it's that's the reward. Who was it in the Scripture that says there's just a fire in my bones? Was it Jeremiah? Jeremiah. It's Jeremiah. It's, yeah. I think that describes all Jeremiah Custer said Jeremiah Custer. <laughs> Another prophet Jeremiah said <laughs> But, I mean, yeah, Jeff, you've been doing this longer than anybody at the table. So, Woo. I mean, why do you keep doing it? And, and I know we're going a little long here, yeah. so that's okay. Well, I mean, that's what you're called to do, and technically I was called to be a youth minister, and I thought I would do that for my whole life, and so, uh, and I was a single adult at the time, so when I first came to Rosa Sharon, I mean, I was pretty much 24 hours, seven days a week, all about ministering to anybody and everybody, regardless of what age group they were from, and uh, so so I never really thought about being a pastor, because, you know... Everybody wants Jonathan, two kids, wife, all that other stuff. <laughs> Jeremiah, two kids, wife. And so I'm like, well, I'll just check that one off. I'll just, I'm, I'm content being a youth pastor. Uh-huh. So when they called me to be the pastor, they basically called a youth pastor to be their pastor. So I've been basically still, my whole goal is to try to make the gospel as plain and simple as possible for people to understand and then apply it to their life mm. uh, on, on a daily basis. Now, do, do I accomplish that? Have we been successful? Not not in the world's eyes, but when you look at people and you go through things with them and you see how they mature and you see mm-hmm. how they step up and you see things going on in their life and you hear their stories and you go, oh, you know, I think they're getting some of it. So yeah. uh, I think what's helped me more than anything else is uh, I made a decision, uh, especially when I was single and, and you know, uh, when they had the pastor with the two kids and all, the salary was here, and they're like, "Oh, you're gonna be our, you're single and all." So they cut off about twelve thousand dollars right off the bat. And I'm like, "Okay." <laughs> so, um, so it's been, it's always been a struggle. So my thing was, well, if, if you're not gonna pay me and you got this extra money, we got a seminary here. Let's just try to hire some part timers. Mm-hmm. Then I can mentor people, help people, and stuff mm-hmm. like that uh, along the way. And so that's really what has kept me in the ministry more um, than anything else because uh, it gives you that opportunity to do that. And now you guys were in a different situation. Y'all were committed regardless. Mm-hmm. Um, and y'all would still be here another nine years if yeah. God didn't call you away. Yeah. <clears throat> so um, so, so I think, um, you know, working with Blake, working with Katrina, they're 
in their early stages of their ministry and all. Mm-hmm. Um, that's the thing that just keeps you really focused. That you know, I might make not make a huge difference here on this corner in Durham, but I can make a difference when you know I think about all the other people that served here and have went out. Yeah, and where yeah. they're at now. Not all of them were successful. Not all of them are still in the ministry. Mm-hmm. But the ones that are, you know, you have a hand in that. And the same goes with people, too, because people are going to come and go in churches. Mm-hmm. Um, you really want them to come here for the right reasons, and when they leave, leave for the right reasons, and then stay active in the church and still serving. Yeah, That's our goal, really. Um, and that keeps you focused, which I think that's why... The, I, I said, I'm like, well, if I'm going to honor our pastors, i got to honor the reason why we're being a pastor. Right. And brought in verse 8, because it does seem out of place there. And mm-hmm. I like the way, I'm going to just read the message. that message. Yeah. says, appreciate your pastoral leaders who gave you the word of God. Take a good look at the way they live and let their faithfulness instruct you as well as their truthfulness. There should be a consistency that runs through us all. So, so he's tying these things together. Mm-hmm. For Jesus doesn't change yesterday, today, tomorrow. He's always totally himself. And so really that's why I'm here mm-hmm. is with Jesus. You know, right. I could have stayed in the business world. I was serving as a youth minister, single adult minister, all those things, not being paid, uh, being successful, reaching people. Um, so that if and our people need to remind, be reminded too all the time. Mm-hmm. We're not here. This is not Joe's church. Or Leroy's church, or Mary's church. Mm-hmm. This is Jesus's church. That's it's right. not Jeff's church. That's right. Um, and so we're supposed to be here to try to follow Him and try to lead people to that. And it's a difficult world we live in, and the transitions are keep moving away from church. Mm. Uh, that's why, like, one of the things I do with Katrina, I was like, uh, I think maybe I know what you're saying, but let's change some of those churchy words because right. you know, there's a whole culture of church churchianity is what i call it Mm -hmm. um that the world out there has no idea no clue yeah and so the if we can strip all that away and keep coming back to christ and relationship with him um then that's what it's all about that's right do that on a daily basis and reminded then when you have those mondays where you're just (laughs) ready to just drop it all off of the corner somewhere um, that helps you kind of get back up and say all right let me dust off the Put some bandage on my bruises and dust off the the dirt and get back in there and start again. Yeah, yeah. Well, it's been good. This has been a good discussion. I, I know, it, I know oh. it went long. Oh, you want to say something else? Well, no, I just want to ask one kind of final question, and I really kind of want to hear Jeff answer it. But, oh, okay. Uh, so the whole sermon was on pastor appreciation. This whole podcast, we dealt with more what a pastor is. Yeah. But we want to try and be practical, right? right. So, like, Jeff Farrell... How? What's the best way that we as a church could show appreciation to you? To me, or to the pastors? <laughs> Just we could all answer it, but I, I kind of want to hear from you. Like, what's the number one thing, or two, three things? Mm-hmm. I think the best way that somebody can really show appreciation to the pastor is to have the pastor's back, mm-hmm. yeah. because we don't really know ninety nine percent of the time what somebody might say or take what we said out of context or somebody, you know, uh, was offended or we didn't make a visit or we didn't do this or we didn't do that and they're expressing all their stuff. And I think if if people will have their leaders' backs, Mm -hmm. 
That's the best way to show pastor mm. appreciation. Don't let the naysayers and the negative people have all the voice, mm. but we can't fight it. We can't, uh, we, we have to basically ignore 99% of it. There's right. nothing we can do about it. But if I think if the people have your back and will fight for you, that's the best way to show pastor appreciation. Mm. That's good. And that's pretty much it. Yeah. Yeah. I think and then you ultimately know, a lottery. T- no. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think yeah. Like I, I said, I said it yesterday. But ultimately, like we just want people to get involved, mm. and not just like so get involved, but also have our back. And it's it's kind of one and the same. Like the video. Yeah, I mean, serving that was just taking that for granted. I want everybody yeah. to find a place where they can they can be a part of something. Even if it's just bringing potato chips on Sunday night for the kids, yeah. You've, yeah. you've done, you've contributed. But yeah, but the, but in the in the midst of it all, to show your appreciation, say like, you know, for, this is what this person has done for me, or I've seen this person do that, you know, to to kind of quell that, yeah, right uh, opposition, because so, we're gonna have opposition. Yeah, I mean, y'all are getting ready to find out real soon. Right, <laughs> might be six months, might be a year, might be two, but you're gonna find out. And, oh yeah. Uh, how you handle it uh, and how, how you um, make it through is going to be your first test. Yeah, the, the, the word that I like, um, and, and Paul uses it in Philippians a lot, is, is we're partners in the gospel. Mm-hmm. And so if you really want to show your partner you appreciate them, then you do what partners do, right? I mean, you, you, you work together, and you know, that's what you both are saying, that, that you know, being involved or... Um, having my back. If I know, you know, if I've got a partner in something, I I, I want to know that they're the best way they can show that they appreciate me is is to have equal share in the work that we're doing, um, and and to care about the work like I care about the work. If if I know that you know, yeah, and that means having my back, and that means um, being one with me in in purpose and in goal and all that. That's the way you show me you appreciate me. Yeah, um, is be, be my partner. Yeah, so like, I guess just last thing. I know I'm talking a lot, but uh, no pastor has ever given a vision without their people in mind. Meaning that if the people don't get involved with the vision, the vision will automatically fail. Yeah, right. Yeah, right. And so like that's the best that you could do is just buy into the vision full-fledged and participate and be there and have our back right yeah uh, and i think some people want the vision to fail i'll just be honest oh yeah mm-hmm. and that's why they don't participate because that's the easiest way to make it fail mm-hmm. and to get others to not participate yeah yeah that's frustrating but it is and, and that can be and, and, and that's a way to not show appreciation god's sovereign and he yeah. has the authority and and his purposes are going to be fulfilled in the church whether yeah. or not yeah. You know, uh, one or a group um, decides they don't want to participate in that. Yeah. So we yeah. trust in that. Well, we yeah, for sure. we appreciate one another around this table. I certainly oh, yeah. express my appreciation for, for sure. every pastor, Absolutely. Y'all every, are awesome. every person on this staff. You guys mean a lot to me. I think I've told you that over the years, but I certainly feel that way. I feel the same way that you know, Jeff. You had the opportunity to say that. Well, like I said, everything yesterday. I said about in this this whole thing, I can say about all of you. And hopefully yeah. say about myself too. Yeah, and, and, and the same goes here. And I, I could say that for every single one of you as well. You're excellent servant leaders. You're excellent pastor teachers. 
you your faith is 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 exemplary and your lives are as well and i know that all of us are doing it for our savior and so that's why it's a privilege to serve on this team um speaking of uh you mentioned a moment ago jeff that we've got to kind of simplify the gospel because it's uh it, you know we, we live in a world that doesn't use a lot of church churchy terms and stuff Next Sunday's speaker is going to do just that. Oh, good transition. Yeah. And, <laughs> I like it. That's why I'm the host of this podcast. <laughs> so we're going to have... We're going to have... We're going to have... Jeremiah's a good host. Yeah, he, he's good. He's good. Don't get all puffed up. I'm, I'm not. <laughs> I'm, I'm a joke. You know we're both leaving. Now. Yeah. <laughs> so... so uh, <laughs> yeah, he's going to host it. Uh, so no, yeah. yeah so really, I'm, I'm excited about Brian Drake being here. We have a, a Christian illusionist uh, slash mentalist who's going to be here, who's going to use a sleight of hand and illusion to illustrate powerfully the gospel. Uh, this guy is uh, absolutely gospel centric. He's very theologically sound, and uh, and he's also amazing. And, and I'm very excited about Brian Drake being here. We'll talk about his presentation. And all the things that wowed us about that, or the things that we had problems with. <laughs> no, but we will, we will, we will talk about all that here next week on Monday Main Point. You all have a great rest of your day. Sorry we've taken up so much of your time, uh, but um, you know, uh, hopefully uh, this has been beneficial to you. Go and uh, tell your pastor you appreciate him. Have a great week. So long.